Welcome to the Monday Morning Message, a podcast of Grace Community Church in Delaware. I am Paul Shirley, pastor of Grace Church, and on the Monday Morning Message, we try to delve deeper into the implications of God's Word and the issues of everyday life that come up in our normal Sunday on Sunday mornings. Try to dive a little deeper and maybe even get a little bit more specific on some of our implications and applications of God's Word together. And if you've been following along with us in our current Sunday morning series from the book of Galatians, you know that we've been studying the doctrine of spiritual adoption, this reality that when we believe in Christ, that not only are we forgiven of our sins, but so also we are brought into the family of God. Through our union with Christ, we gain a new status in God's family and also a new relationship with our Heavenly Father. And as we've seen in our study together, this new relationship, this new status in God's family, it not only brings us great benefits like an eternal inheritance in Christ Jesus, but it also comes with some new realities and responsibilities. The new realities of our adoption mean that we are a part of God's family, and that should have an impact on who we are and how we live. In our own families and everyday life, God has designed the inner workings of the family, family life, to have a significant influence on who we are as individuals. So family life has a practical way of forming who we are. That's why it's so important for us to develop families that are rooted in God's truth and connected to the church, and also influenced by the order that God has designed for families. It's because all of these things in our family life has a significant impact on how our kids think and how they act. Well, the same is true for us as God's children. We're now in this community of grace. We're now in union with Christ. We're now in relationship with our Heavenly Father, and that should increasingly have an influence on who we are as individuals. And not only should it have an influence on who we are as individuals, but we actually have a responsibility to submit to this influence and respond to it. In fact, as we've seen in our study on Sunday mornings of this doctrine of adoption, in the ancient world, it wasn't children who were adopted. Uh, That was orphan care is what it would be called in James chapter 1. In the New Testament world, adoption was the choosing of an adult male who would carry on the family name and legacy. So a father who did not have an heir or maybe a father who had an heir who he did not think was worthy would choose someone that he did think was worthy to carry on the family name. And so it was very important when you were adopted into a family in this way that you learn the family customs, and that you carry them on for the next generation. I think that's analogous of our responsibilities as those who have been spiritually adopted into God's family. We've been brought in so that we can be influenced by the grace of family life in God's household, but we also have a responsibility to represent our Father well and to 
carry on his work, to make his name known, to spread the gospel of his son, Jesus Christ. This is a part of our responsibility as adopted children into God's family. And in our study of Galatians 4 in particular, we've seen that the Galatian believers not only lost sight of the realities of adoption in their theology, but so too Paul was concerned because he did not see evidence of the realities of adoption in their own lives. So from a theological standpoint, they were looking for ways that they could grow closer to God through ceremony and through ritual and through their own works. And Paul was saying to them, look, guys, you've been adopted into the family through Christ. There's no way you could be closer to God. You need to walk by faith in order to enjoy this relationship, not add ceremonies, not go back to the Old Testament law, not depend upon rituals. So there was a theological problem there. But so too, in that theological problem and in the life of the church, there were some practical problems as well. Paul saw some concerning marks in these Galatian churches that had him doubting not only their theology of faith, but the reality of faith in their hearts. In fact, in Galatians 4.11, Paul says, I'm afraid that I may have labored over you in vain. So Paul's concern was their defection. His concern was that their profession of faith in the gospel would not prove true. Why was Paul so concerned about that? Well, they had been adopted into God's family, but they weren't showing any signs of it. They were in a relationship with the Father. They had the, the power and the example of their elder brother, Christ Jesus. They had the indwelling of the Spirit to, to impart the family love directly into their hearts so that they could cry out, Abba, Father, and yet they were grasping for earthly, man-centered ways to relate to God rather than being influenced by a true relationship with God that is rooted in his grace and received through our faith. So this was concerning to Paul and As we talked about in our study a couple of weeks ago, one of the things that was especially concerning to Paul was the Galatians' ignorance. Life in God's family, it's revolving around God's truth. It it, it is characterized by an increasing knowledge of God as our Father. So we cry out to our Father, Abba, Father. We, We know our Father through his Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus said to his disciples, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you know Christ, you know the Father. And for Paul, he reminds the Galatians of of back in their unbelieving days when they did not know God. And, And he's talking here not just about a knowledge about God, but he's talking about a knowledge of God, a relational, personal knowledge of God that's only possible through faith. And in reminding these Galatian believers of their unbelieving ignorance before they came to know Christ, this is a warning and really a startling warning that we need to be growing in our knowledge of God as well. I mean, Paul was concerned essentially that they were acting like unbelievers who don't know God. I mean, if you were to kind of paraphrase Paul's point in Galatians 4 verses 8 and 9, it's, guys, I would expect this from somebody who doesn't know God but you supposedly have come to know God through his son, Jesus Christ. And yet now you're going back and 
you're going to old ways of worship. You're falling into old idolatry. True believers, those who have been influenced by the family life of God's household, should know the difference between God, their heavenly Father, and false gods and false objects of worship. Of course, in all of this, it's a reminder, at least to me, and I hope to you as well, that a big part of the Christian life should be seeking to grow in our knowledge of God and his word, not just in an academic way, not just in a, hey, I read a 700-page theology book kind of way, but seeking to know the truth of God so that we can better know the mind of God and relate to him as our father. That should be something that all believers are seeking. That That's a fruit of family life. That is something that comes as, as we love God, as we trust God, we should seek to want to know his truth and know him better. That's what family life is about. And family life, if we're not growing in the knowledge of the God who adopted us, we're opening ourselves up to all kinds of dangerous influences. In fact, Paul says in Galatians 4.8, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. In other words, if we don't grow in our knowledge of who God is, we run the risk of being enslaved by things in our life that are not God. We run the risk of, of offering worship to God. At least we think we're offering worship to God, but in reality, we're not worshiping God at all. I remember uh, the story of Nadab and Abihu in the Old Testament. They offered strange fire to God. Now, now had they sought to grow in their knowledge of God and his word, they would have recognized the strict requirements for worship given in the Old Testament that they were not to violate. But instead, they conjured up their own idea of God that wasn't rooted in a genuine knowledge, and they offered this strange fire up to God, and as a result, they died. That They incurred the wrath of God. They thought they were worshiping God, but in reality, they were enslaved to those things that were not by nature God. And if we, as God's children, are not growing in our knowledge of the Father, knowing his mind from Scripture and knowing him better through our communion with him, then we run the risk of going back to this old enslavement. That's why it's so important for all of us to be people of the Word, not just so that we can say that we've read our Bible for the day or not just so that we can win theological arguments. Those aren't very compelling reasons to dig into the Word. In fact, if you've been living your Christian life and those have been kind of the reasons in your mind, the motives for studying God's Word, you've probably been pretty inconsistent of your study of God's Word. However, if through faith you have a relationship with God, you know God, and you want to grow in your knowledge of who God is, if you want to strengthen your faith in what He has promised, that's going to be a strong motive for you. This this need, this hunger to know God better, to know his mind. That's what drives us back to the word so that we don't fall back into the unbelieving ignorance that the Galatians were beginning to fall back into. And that's something that I would encourage all of you to do. You pursue a knowledge of God through the scripture. If you've got a question about 
God and your theology, you've got a question about what the scripture teaches, study it. Dig into it. And you, of course, collect resources that can help you sort through it, download sermons from trusted pastors who can help you think through it. But but on your own, get into God's word. Commune with God by studying his word. Recognize that when we are growing in our knowledge of the scripture, we are growing in our knowledge of the heavenly Father. And that should drive us back to the word to make sure that we are growing in our knowledge of God. But if we are not doing that, not only is that a troubling sign of what's going on in our hearts, but it also opens us up to idolatry. Ignorance and idolatry are twin immaturities. The less you know God, the more prone you will be to worship those things that aren't God in your life. If you don't grow in the knowledge of God, you you run the risk of using up your life, serving those things that are not God at all. And that's certainly not appropriate for those who have been adopted into the family of God. And we've, we've been adopted into the family of God. We've We've joined God's household, and, and a large part of that is repenting of our old idolatry to, according to 1 Thessalonians 1.9, serve the true and living God. And if we're not careful, if we're not growing in our knowledge of God, if we're not making sure to evaluate our life priorities based on the truth of God's word— then inevitably we're going to end up turning back to our old idols. In fact, there's a lot of ways that you could think about idolatry, but I think one of them that is a particularly helpful way to frame it up is that idolatry is valuing something more than you value knowing God and being known by God. That's, for me, a helpful way of thinking about idolatry. Is there something in my life that I value more then I value knowing God. Is there something in my life that I value more than being known by God? That's a helpful way to frame it up because it helps me to evaluate my priorities. And really, when you break it down, you have to acknowledge that there's nothing more valuable than knowing God and being known by God. All the eternal rewards of heaven and all the promises of peace in this life spring forth from our personal relational knowledge with God through the gospel. In other words, there's nothing more valuable objectively than knowing God and being known by God. However, in our lives, we often place other priorities above that. We, we place other priorities above knowing God when we don't prioritize time in God's word. We don't prioritize time with God's people. We don't prioritize time in prayer to God or worship of God when the Lord and his ways are not at the apex of our own priorities in life. It means that at least subtly in our own hearts, we have misplaced our priorities by moving the knowledge of God lower on the pecking order than it should be. That's why I say it again, idolatry is valuing something more than you value knowing God and being known by God. This is what Adam did, by the way. Adam in the garden, he gave up the opportunity to 
walk with God on a regular basis, to have a mutual relationship with God. Why? So that he could feed his earthly appetites and eat the fruit. That's what we do with idolatry. How many times on a day-to-day basis do we give up the opportunity to know God better and commune with God so that we can chase after earthly desires and priorities? This is for adopted children in God's family, simply inappropriate, and it's dangerous. It's a lot like what the prodigal son did. When we as adopted children fall back into idolatry, it's like saying that we want all the rewards of adoption, but no relationship with the Father. I believed in Christ because I want my sins forgiven and I don't want to go to hell, but I also don't really want to have a relationship with the Father on earth. That's the essence of claiming to be a Christian, but giving your life over to idols. And that's what the prodigal son did. He came to his father and essentially said, Dad, I'm so happy that I'm your son because it means that I'm going to share in your inheritance. I only wish that you would die now so that I could have that this very moment to spend to my own pleasures. But since that's not happening, how about just giving me my portion of the inheritance now so I can squander it without you being involved in my life? I want all the benefits of being a son, but I want no relationship with the father. That's what we do as Christians when we give our hearts over to idols, no matter how great or small they might seem. We're saying to God, look, I want all the benefits of being forgiven and adopted in Christ Jesus, but I don't want any part in family life. I want to give myself to something else. That's idolatry. And of course, that's dishonoring to the Lord, and it's also dangerous to us in our walk with the Lord. And these are things that we've got to be careful of. We've got to be growing in our knowledge of God so that our hearts can be protected from idolatry. And that's part of what life in God's family does. As we participate in all the means of grace, which is the day-to-day inner workings of family life in God's household, we are not only growing in our knowledge of God, but we are also fortifying ourselves against idolatry. And so more and more, if we want to see maturity, if we want to see fruit, if we want to see peace in our hearts, and most importantly, if we want to see our Father glorified, we need to not only be participating in the life of the family, but we need to make sure that we are seeking to grow in our knowledge of God and that we're rooting out the idols of our heart. That's a big part of what family life looks like. And if you're not taking these responsibilities seriously, then you're not going to fully benefit from all that's available to you by the grace of God through the work of Christ. And so I would just encourage you, how are you dealing with these things in your own life? How are you pursuing greater knowledge of God? How are you evaluating your heart to see if there are idols in your life? And how are you protecting yourself from those potential idols that would replace the primacy of Christ in your heart? These are questions that all of God's children need to be considering. And these are questions, even as they're convicting and difficult, these are questions that we face with the grace of God to know that he provides us with the help that we need, not only to be forgiven of our failures, 
but also to move forward towards holiness as we seek to know him better and offer him a more pure worship. 